and welcome to Dream City Omaha. My name is Robin and I want to thank you for joining us today. If this is your first time with us, whether in person or online, please let us know by sending us a message on social media or by filling out the connect card in the seat back in front of you. Daddy Daughter Days, I know I mentioned it last week, but I'm gonna mention it again. If, 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 if you've got a little one, uh, you need to come out. But, but here's another way that I want to encourage you. Um, there are, some, there are some, some dads whose little ones might be, might be out of the house. Um, maybe there are some, some grandpas whose little ones are out of, out of the house. And, and you look back on those days and you long for those days. Anybody long for those days? I, my daughter is 10 and I find myself like, why can't she be three anymore? But we might look back and long for those days. Here's what I want to encourage you because in the, in the buzz, it, it mentioned that we're looking for for parent volunteers as well. Now that's parents to serve and, and to hang out during that time. But I, I also want to encourage you because there, there might be some, some little girls whose daddies aren't able to bring them to the daddy-daughter dance. So if you're a daddy whose baby is, is beyond that age and you want to, to step in and, and be a daddy to, that, to, to a little girl that night, I just want to encourage you, find Pastor Soraya, stop by the kids' ministry, uh, find somebody back there, and just let them know that you would be willing to do that. Uh, I'm not sure how many, how many we have or how many we need, um, but just want to, to put that out there, put that bug in your ear as well. This morning, we're going to begin a new series entitled Refuse, and, and I've got my iPad up here, which I have every week. I've got my phone over here. I'm going to do my best not to look at it. Jace is, is, is my oldest son. They're in a, a baseball tournament in Council Bluffs right now, and they're, they're down three to two in the semifinals. And so it's like one of those things where it's like, all right, let me just say amen, and we'll be done with church. And then I can, no, I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. Um, but I promise to I promise to give you my undivided attention. Just let's just say a prayer for Jace's team that that God would give them the strength to pull it out today. Uh, but we're going to begin a new series entitled "Refuse." Somebody say "Refuse." Refuse. We're we're coming out of reintegrate. We've talked about being whole, uh, body, soul, spirit, every part of us. But today we're going to be talking about refuse. And over the next few weeks, really, we're we're looking at the story of a life. Uh, of a man named Samson. And we're looking in the Old Testament book of Judges. We're gonna be Judges chapter 13 through 16 and in looking at the life of a man named Samson. Now, Samson's life is, is an interesting one. This is a, a time in Israel's hi- history where they've been, they've been freed from slavery in Egypt. They've settled in the promised land. They have yet to ask God for a king. And so it's this in-between time of trying to, to understand what freedom looks like and how to, how to live out free. But, but how do we do that according to God's word? And they're in this cycle of doing good and not doing good and doing good and following God and then disobeying and being obedient and disobeying. And it's like up and down. And, and as we hear that, like it, it's a lot of how we live our lives. And we follow God for a period of time and then we slip up and then we follow God for a period of time and then we slip up and it's kind of back and forth, back and forth. And, and that's where we find ourselves in the book of Judges. And, and during this time, God raises up different people to, to lead the Israelites back to God during this time, Samson being one of them. And, and Samson's life is, is kind of a tragic story. 
I, I think he's one of the, the more well-known individuals in the Bible, definitely one of the more well-known judges. We all know about Samson because of his tremendous strength, right? Like Samson was like the first original superhero. He was, he was incredibly strong. It was a gift from God. We, we know about Samson, but Samson's life is kind of, kind of a train wreck. It's, it's kind of like when you're driving on the interstate and there's that accident that you can't help but slow down because you have to look at. All of you do it, especially when it's on the other side of the interstate. Like the worst thing about driving on the interstate is, you know, you see that there's an accident ahead and the traffic is stopped and it's like, man, this must be a really bad accident. Only to get up to the accident and see that it's like eight lanes across on the other side going the other way. It's like, why are we going so slow? It's because all of you had to go like this. Like, holy cow, look at that. Samson's life is kind of that way. Like you can't help but look because it's that bad. But as I study Samson's life, there are so many things in his life that I look at my life and it's like, ouch, because that's me too. That's not just something that Samson dealt with, but that's something that, that I deal with as well. Judges chapter 13 is where we're going to, to begin today. Here's what the Bible says, just to kind of set the tone. It says that again, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Philistines. Who did he hand them over to? The Philistines, who is oppressing the Israelites during this time? It's not a trick question. The Philistines, who are the Israelites at war with? Very good. The Philistines, who oppressed them for 40 years. And in those days, a man named Manoah from the tribe of Dan lived in the town of Zorah. His wife was unable to become pregnant and they had no children. This is giving us the the setting, the history, the backstory of Samson's parents. Tells us that Samson's mom was unable to become pregnant. It tells us that she was she was barren. Now this is another message for another day, but it's it's crazy to me how that God always chooses to use the barren things to produce the most life. The fact that God birthed the nation of Israel out of barrenness because Abraham's wife Sarah was barren, Isaac's wife Rebecca was barren, Jacob's wife Rachel. Was, these are the founding fathers of the nation of Israel. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and their offspring, their, their millions of offspring that came out of barrenness. Why? Because I am the Lord Almighty. Listen, don't despise those barren places of your lives because you might not know, but God wants to use that to produce the most fruit through you. We'll pick that up at a later time. But it tells us she was unable to have kids and the angel of the Lord comes to her and says, you're going to have a son. And she says, that's fantastic news. And he says, she, he, your son is to be a Nazarite from the time of his birth. Well, what is a Nazarite? As we go to Numbers chapter six, it tells us that a Nazarite is, is simply means one set apart for use by God. So as a Nazarite, your, your, your life was, was set apart, God, however you want to use me, use me. But there was three things that you could not do. Number one, drink alcohol. No fruit of the vine, no grapes, no raisins, no, no wine. You could not drink alcohol. Number two, you couldn't touch dead things. Even if a family member died, you couldn't attend the funeral. Why? Because I've been set apart. This is a sign that I've been set apart. I will not come into contact with dead things. And number three, you will not cut your hair. 
These were outward signs of an inner covenant because anytime God establishes an inner covenant, there is an outward sign for it. Your ring does not make you married. Your ring is an outward sign of an inward covenant that you made to your spouse. God made a covenant with Abraham. What was the outward sign of the inward covenant? It was circumcision. This will be a sign. When we get baptized, it's an outward sign of an inward covenant because anytime God establishes something on the inside, there will be something to reflect it on the outside. So as a Nazarite, these three things were were not what made him a Nazarite, but they were what let everybody around him know that he had been set apart for God. And he he grows and and, and God has, has, has given him this strength and works through him. But time and time and time and time again in Samson's life, we see bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. It's like, Samson, how can you continue to make the same mistakes over and over and over and over again? But don't we do the same thing? Just continue making the same mistakes. It's the definition of insanity. Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. This morning, as we talk about refuse. I want to talk to you about the need for you and I to refuse to compromise. I want to encourage you to refuse to compromise in your life. Now, some of you might be sitting out there like, but, but Pastor John, compromise is a good thing because my wife keeps telling me I need to do more of it. Now, listen, there are two, there are two definitions of compromise. To compromise can mean to come to a mutual agreement where each party has to sacrifice something to meet in the middle. That's compromise, right? Like if you've ever been in relationship, where would you like to eat tonight? I don't care. Okay, well, why don't we go over here? No, I don't want that. Okay, so you do care. No, I don't care. I just don't want that. Okay, well, what about this over here? No, I don't want that either. You seem to care a whole lot for not having to care. Here's what I'll do. I'll give you five places, whatever place you care about the least. That's where we're going to go. Compromise, right? We, we, in order to have a healthy relationship, there needs to be a level of compromise. That's good compromise. But compromise can also mean living below the standards of what one knows to be true. When you, when you know what is right and you know what is true and you know what you should do to live below that standard, you are compromising. You are sacrificing what you know to be right for your own comfort. We have been given the standard for our lives. And anytime we live below what God's word says, we are living in compromise, sacrificing what could be for what we want. Sacrificing the abundant life that God has for us for the desires of our own flesh. That is the compromise that Samson made again and again. And it's a compromise that many of us continue to make on a daily basis. Here's what Psalms 119 says. It says, joyful are people of integrity. God, may we be people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey his laws and search him with all of their hearts. They do not compromise with evil and they walk only in his path. May this be said about Dream City Omaha. May this be said not just about our church, but as the Big C Church of Omaha. 
May we in Omaha be a group of people that don't compromise with evil. We stand for what is right. We search God in all things. And we are people, men and women and young people of integrity. Come on, Jesus. We need to, we need to, to live this life. We look, at, we look at Samson and it's like, Samson, what were you thinking? Hindsight's always 2020, right? You know how many times I've looked in the mirror and said, John, what were you? Like, how'd you expect it to end up? Like, what did you think was going to happen? You thought it was going to work out? It didn't. As we flip to Judges chapter 14, I want us to, to kind of, to, to just kind of open the page into Samson's story, kind of, kind of ease into this. But this morning, as we look at chapter 14, I want to, I want to, I want to share three things that led Samson to a place of compromise and three things that if we're not careful, will lead us to a place of compromise as well. Does that sound good? You guys with me today? Judges chapter 14, verse one says this, that one day when Samson was in Timnah, now for those that don't know, Timnah is a Philistine town. Now again, who was oppressing the Israelites at this time? The Philistines. So, so Samson goes out of his way to go down and visit a Philistine town. While he was in Timnah, one of the Philistine women caught his eye. John Weasel translation, Samson was walking down the street, honey walked this way and he went, That, for those that don't know, that's what caught his eye means. Samson was like, oh, hello. Anyway, catches his eye. When he returns home, he tells his father and mother, I saw a girl in town today. She caught, she caught my eye. Daddy, I think I want to marry her. Get her for me. Now, if I'm Samson's daddy, excuse me, boy, what'd you say to me? You mean, you mean get her for me? Hey, who do you think you are? Now, listen, pause. Zach Morris, time out. Parents, let me help you out here real quick. Your, par- your, your, your kids don't run your house. You do. Your kids are not the boss of you. Daddy, get her for me. Excuse me, but who do you think that you are? I heard Dr. Tony Evans tell this story one time about this old, this old country store. And, and the store owner is there behind the cashier, the, the, the register. And this, this woman and her little girl come walking in. And they're, they're walking through the aisles and they're shopping for groceries. And they kind of walk behind this one aisle. And the, the grocery, the, the shop owner is, is watching them. He's paying attention. They kind of go behind this one, this one aisle and he hears, no, Denise. Denise, put that back. Denise, I told you we're not getting that. Denise, you have three seconds to put that back. And about this time, the, the shopkeeper is kind of like, oh, poor Denise. Like she just, you know, she might just want a piece of candy and she's, you know, getting yelled at by her mom. And so, so they, they, the two emerge from behind the aisle. They come to check out and the shopkeeper reaches into his candy jar, pulls out a piece of candy and he goes to give it to the little girl. And he says, Denise, it's okay, baby. You can have this one. And the mom looks at him and he says, that's not Denise, I'm Denise. Some of you will get it later. The daughter was yelling at the mom. Okay, we're on the same page. Parents, your kids don't run the house. You run the house. He says, get her for me. His father and mother objective. Hold on, Samson. I don't think this is a good idea. Isn't there even one woman in church that you could marry? Why must you go to the pagan Philistines to find a wife? 
Samson, if you would just come to church with me, I know you can find yourself a girl there. Samson, why do you have to go meet a girl at the bar? You haven't even gone to young adults. Like there's plenty of people in the young adults group, but you haven't even tried to meet any of them. Samson, what are you, what are you doing? But Samson told his father, get her for me. She looks good to me. She looks good to me. Now here's the thing. What is it in Samson that is producing this kind of response. He sees her and he has to have her. It's like the three sizes of flavors at Coldstone. There's like it, there's love it, and then there's gotta have it. If you're a gotta have it person, come on now. What is it in him? It's this, it's, it's lust. The first thing that causes Samson to, to compromise is lust. Now I know what you're thinking because because lust has become almost an explicitly sexual term in our society. The only time we use it is when we're talking about a strong sexual desire. But the word lust only means to have a strong desire for something. To lust for something means to see it and say, I want it. See, lust in your life sounds like this. I want that. Whatever that is. If you find yourself saying, I want that, you might be struggling with lust. He sees her and says, dad, I want that. I want her, get her for me. I gotta have that. I don't care what God says. I don't care what my dad says. I don't care what my mom says. I don't care what's right. I don't care what's the wise thing to do. I don't care what my friends are telling me. I don't care where she's from. I don't care what the Bible says. I don't care that we'll be unequally yoked. I don't care. None of that matters. I want that. Anytime you find yourself pushing off the advice and the wisdom of those around you simply because you want that, you might be struggling with Lust. Well, why did, why, did, why, did, why did the devil have to put that in front of me? Listen, he's not tempting you with something that's not already inside of you. James chapter one says this, says temptation comes from where? That stinking devil. No, it says it comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. If that desire wasn't already in here, then when that temptation was put in front of me, it would be nothing. If that desire wasn't already in Samson, when she walked by, she wouldn't have caught his eye. Whatever those things are, it's because it's already in here. Now, here's what's interesting. The Philistines are oppressing the Israelites. Samson, as the judge of the Israelites, is at war with the Philistines. But this woman that he has chosen to tie himself to is not an Israelite woman, but a what? A Philistine, good, you guys are following along today. Samson, what that says is this, Samson is at war with the very thing he's trying to marry. Samson is getting married to the very thing that he is fighting against. It's like, Samson, why would you think that that would be a good idea? Like, Samson, well, what, what possessed you to even to even consider this, but how many of us do it in our own lives? What are, what are we fighting? We're, we're fighting for our marriage, but what do we do? We tie ourselves to lust and pornography. And it's like, well, I'm fighting for this and I'm fighting against that, but, but I'm tying myself to the very thing that I'm fighting against. That emotional affair that we have at work. 
well, he's just, you know, he just, he's just so nice. And he says these nice things to me and it just makes me feel good. And I thought you were fighting for your marriage. Like, what, what, what are you warring against? What are you warring for? Stop tying yourself to the enemy of the battle that you're trying to face. We're trying to fight against the spirit of division and yet being used as tools for division when we time, anytime we jump on social media. I'm just fighting against division. No, you're being used for it. Why? Because you're married to the thing you're fighting against. You find yourself tied to those things. And that's what was going on in, in Samson's life. He's, he's married now to, or he's wanting to get married to a Philistine, the very thing that he was, he was fighting against. Anytime you say, I want, I want that job. I want more money. I want that relationship. I got to have it. I need it. I need it. I got to have it. That looks good. Calm down. Take a second and just breathe. Okay, rather than just being emotional and acting on your emotions, ask yourself, where are my wants taking me? What direction are my wants leading me? Angel's teaching a class on emotional intelligence on Wednesday nights. If ever there was somebody who needed a little bit of self-awareness, it was Samson. Samson, where are these thoughts coming from? Samson, where are these emotions coming from? Rather than acting on these emotions, let's process through these emotions. Like, I sound like Angel right now, and she's probably sitting in the baseball game just like, oh my gosh, I'm so proud of my husband. (laughs) But if ever there was somebody that needed it, it would be Samson. Listen, you don't have to act on every emotion that you have. Process through it. Where is it coming from? Is it leading me in the direction that I want to go? If not, then run away from it. So Samson sees this girl. He wants to marry her. His parents object. Nevertheless, they give in. Samson starts heading to town to set up this wedding. All of a sudden, a lion jumps out. Jumps out of nowhere. Go ahead and put that next scripture up there. Do we have that? There we go. Verse six. At that moment, the spirit of the Lord. So this lion jumps out. At that moment, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson and he ripped off the lion's jaws. I remember the first time I fought a lion in the wild. I'm just kidding. I haven't done that. He ripped off the lion's jaws with his bare hands. Like this dude was bad. Like if you can rip, have you ever seen, have you ever been to the zoo? You've seen a lion, right? The teeth, the mane and the growl and the, all the stuff. You rip his jaws apart with your bare hands. But look, he says, he did it as easily as if it were, yeah, because a young goat, we all know how easy that is. Like maybe you can't rip a lion's jaws apart, but we all know how easily it is to rip a young goat's jaws apart. But he didn't tell, listen, he didn't tell his father or his mother about it. Lion jumps up, rips his jaws. I ain't gonna say nothing. A couple weeks later, he's going back to town to, to get everything ready for the wedding. He's going with his parents. Here's what it says. He, he, he ventured off to where the, that lion was. He went off the path, saw the lion, the dead lion, the lion he had killed, swarm of bees around it. These bees had created this, this honey inside the carcass of a lion. He bends down and he scoops up honey. Have you ever seen the carcass of a dead animal? It is nasty, Carl. Thank you. It's nasty and it stinks and there's flies everywhere and it's just, it's just filthy. And all the guys are like, oh man, that's so, that's so cool. There's honey in this lion that he killed. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to get some of that. All the ladies are like, oh my gosh, that's disgusting. Like, listen, men are filthy creatures. I know. How do men tell if underwear are clean? You don't even want to know. Yeah, we're good. 
<laughs> Sorry. Men are nasty creatures, I know. But he scoops this honey out of the carcass of this lion. And he takes it into his hands and he eats it. You're nasty, Samson. That's disgusting. He ate it along the way. This is a long trip. I'm going to need a snack. Look, there's some honey. I'm going to take some. He also gave some to his father and his mother. And they ate it. But he didn't tell them. This is why you don't go to a potluck. He didn't tell them. He didn't tell them that he had taken the honey from the carcass of the lion. Samson, thank you for the honey. I don't need to know where you got the honey from. Just that the honey was good. He takes the honey from the lion that he killed. Now, let's just reverse a little bit because, again, Samson was a Nazarite. And as such, there were three vows that he made, not to cut his hair, not to drink alcohol, and not to what? Touch dead things. What does he do to get this honey? Touches a dead thing. Here he, he, he starts down this slippery slope of compromise. And one compromise will lead you to another compromise, will lead you to another compromise. And before you know it, you're in a place that you don't recognize, wondering how you got there. He's scooping honey out of this lion, touching this dead thing, knowing full well that he's a Nazarite. His parents know that he's a Nazarite. Everyone around him knows that he's a Nazarite. But he says, you know what? I care more about serving my, my, my pleasures and my desires and my hunger than I do the covenant that I made with God. I serve more. I, I, I care more about my wants than I do the promise that I made to God. He says, this honey wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for me. Who killed this lion? You didn't, I did with my bare hands, ripped its jaws. You weren't there, you didn't see it. Ripped its jaws apart. The honey wouldn't even be there if it wasn't for me. Now I'm walking this road, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty, I'm famished, I need a snack, there's a snack, and I'm gonna have some. Why? Because I deserve it. See, the first thing that got Samson into trouble was lust. The second thing that got Samson into trouble was entitlement. Lust will say, I want that. Entitlement tells you this, I deserve that. Anytime you find yourself telling you and convincing yourself that you deserve something, you better just pump the brakes. Like, so I, deserve, I deserve to be happy. That's dangerous. That's dangerous because what are you willing to to sacrifice for your happiness? What are you willing to give up so that you can have that thing? He says, I deserve that. I work hard. I deserve it. Look at what I put up with at home. I deserve it. I, I deserve that. You see the way that he treats me. I deserve to have somebody tell me that I'm beautiful. You see the way that she nags me. I deserve to have somebody give me a little bit of respect. I work hard. I deserve to have that boat. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I deserve X, Y, whatever the, whatever the blank is. Anytime you're convincing yourself of what you deserve, you need to slow down because here's the, here, here's the thing. You know what we deserve? You know what I deserve? I deserve death because that's the wages of my sin. The sin in my life produces 
death. Each and every one of us are sinners that deserve death. The only thing that I deserve is death, but God who is rich in mercy and abounding in grace has thought it enough to send his son to die in my place to where now I don't have to to face death because he already did, but I can live new life in him and through him. And this new life that I live, is not me that lives, but it's Christ that lives in me. I don't deserve anything. I don't deserve the house I live in. I don't deserve the wife that I have. I don't deserve the kids that I have. I don't deserve to be standing here speaking to you today. I deserve none of it. What do I deserve? Death because I'm a sinner, but God, God in his grace and in his mercy has thought it enough to bless me. So I'm not going to turn it down. But I also recognize that I deserve nothing that God has given me. Nothing that God has given me. Who am I to look at something and say, I deserve that? No, I don't. I don't. I, I work hard. You don't know how hard I work. Who gave you the ability even to work hard? God. You deserve nothing but through him and from him. And if he decides to bless, thank you, Jesus. But let's not mistake his blessings for our desires. See, he had this, this attitude of entitlement. Like, I deserve this. I should, I should have that. I should get that. We see Samson's attitude, but then we see Paul's attitude is the exact opposite. He writes to the Thessalonian church and he says, we never accepted food from anyone without paying for it. We worked hard day and night, so we would not be a burden to any of you. Listen, we certainly had the right to ask you to feed us, but I didn't. What's he saying? He's saying, could could I have have justified coming to you and saying, listen, I'm here, I'm speaking, I'm preaching, I'm, I'm doing all these things to serve you. Least you could do is prepare me a meal. Sure, I had the right to do that, but I didn't. Why? Because that's not the example I'm trying to set for you. I'm not trying to turn you into somebody who's entitled thinking you deserve a handout, but somebody who works hard and is grateful for everything that you have. Rather than being entitled, why don't you be grateful? Rather than saying, I deserve that, say, God, thank you for everything you've given me. Which attitude are you going to have? Let's continue verse 10 and we'll close out this this first series, the first story part of of Samson's life. He, He arranges the wedding. His father's making final arrangements. So what does Samson do? Samson throws a party in Timnah, which is the Philistine village, as was the custom, not for regular dudes, as was the custom for elite young men. Samson Samson wasn't just some Joe Blow, right? He, He wasn't just average Joe. Samson was an elite young man. Samson wasn't going to be the only elite young man that didn't have himself a bachelor party. So Samson decides to throw himself, and this isn't like, this isn't like him and some friends went to Dave and Buster's and then went home and played dominoes. This is like if John Weasel translation, Samson threw himself a kegger and there were solo cups everywhere. I'm not even joking because you look it up in the original Hebrew language, this word for party means an occasion to drink. Not drinking for an occasion, not like it's somebody's birthday, so let's have a drink. No, let's make a day to give us a reason to drink. He creates this occasion to get drunk. Now, again, as a Nazarite, don't cut your hair. Don't touch dead things. And don't drink. Well, he's already touched 
the carcass of the lion. Now we find him throwing himself a kegger. Samson just doesn't care at this point. Samson's just like, you know, whatever. I'm going to live my own way. God, thank you for this ridiculous strength that you place inside of me. But that doesn't, that doesn't matter to me anymore because I want what I want. I deserve to have it. And now I'm throwing myself a party. Why? What is this, what is this thing coming out of Samson? What is this thing that comes out of you and I all the time? It's this, it's pride. It's pride. It's an elevation of one's self. A, a misunderstanding of, of your worthiness. It's, it's, it's puffing our chest out. See, lust will, will say, I want that. And entitlement will say, I deserve that. You know what pride tells us? Here's what pride tells us. I can handle it. I'm above, the, I'm above that. It would just be two drinks. I can, I can stop it too. I can handle it. My old friends invited me out. Haven't seen them for a couple years. I've been trying to keep it clean. I've been trying to live straight. My boys want to go. I, I, is it the smartest thing for me to do? Probably not. I can, ha- I can handle it. I can handle it. The man at the gym wants to tag. I can handle it. We get into a relationship. I don't need boundaries. I can handle it. Famous last words. I don't think it's poisonous. <laughs> Famous last words. How deep do you think it is? Famous last words. How much will you pay me? Famous last words. I can handle it. Listen, you can't. If you have to try and convince yourself that you can handle it, let me just go ahead and tell you right now, you can't handle it. And that's pride inside of you trying to come out, trying to, to elevate yourself. I can, I can have a little honey because I deserve it. I can have a, a few drinks with my friends. I can handle it. I don't need filters on my device. I can handle it. I don't need accountability partners. I can handle it. I don't need to tell my wife about it. I can handle it. I don't need the, I can, I can handle it. Pride is the elevation of oneself while humility is the recognition of, of who we really are in light of God's greatness. Pride puffs ourselves up, but then humility says, well, compared to, compared to God, I'm nothing. Pride says, I can do it. Humility says, I can't do it, and God, I need your help. Pride says, I can do it on my own. I don't need anybody's help. And humility says, God, I'm going to pick up my cross, and I'm going to die to myself. Why? Because unless you live in me, this is going nowhere. Question is, what, what will you do? What kind of kind of attitude will you have? Samson says, yeah, God, I, I see that. Yeah, God, the, the whole vow thing. Yeah, God, don't touch the dead things and don't drink. And, and God, I, I hear that and I read your word and I see all the commands that you've given. But you know what? I, I think I'm just gonna, I think I'm gonna try it on my own because I think I can handle it. How foolish of us to think that we can somehow do it on our own. Jesus said that those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Here's the thing. (laughs) Both sets of people are humbled in the end. Right? Like those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves already at the end will be, both groups will be humbled. In your life, you will be humbled. The question is, will you humble yourself 
Or will God have to come in and humble you for you? But there is no, there is no not being humble. You can choose how it happens. See, Samson had these things in his life, this lust that said, I want, I want, I want, I gotta have it, I need it, I need it right now, I'm not gonna wait, I don't care what anybody says, I want that now. He had this entitled attitude. He says, look at what I've done, look at who I am, I deserve this, I deserve to be happy, I deserve a little snack, I deserve fill in your blank. And then his pride came up and rather than heeding wisdom and warning, he said, guys, it's okay, I can handle it. Now, what's crazy is over the next few weeks, as we continue Samson's life, we'll see how that, that this one decision led to another decision and led to another decision and led to another decision. And it leads him down this path where at the end of Samson's story, he's sitting in a jail cell with his eyes gouged out. This mighty man of God who rips lions apart for fun ends up in a jail cell missing his eyes. He didn't get there overnight. He got there one bad decision at a time, one compromise at a time. And if we're not careful and if we live according to lust, entitlement, or pride, we're this close away from making one bad decision that could lead us to another bad decision that can lead us down this path of compromise where King David himself, we see these things in his life. He's entitled, why? Because when the king should be at war, what's he doing? He's taking a nap. I deserve to rest. Steps out on the balcony, sees Bathsheba. Who is that? She looks good to me. Somebody go find out who that is because I want that. Her husband comes home and he ends up having him killed. Why? Because I'm the king and I can handle it. Lust, entitlement, and pride. We see it time and time again. God, if we don't get rid of these things, they're gonna lead us down a path of destruction as well. But God, would you instead come? Would you come? Would you live through us, putting to death our desires, giving us an attitude of gratitude, helping us to live lives of humility as well. Amen. Stand with me this morning. I don't know who won the game yet. I want to look. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that we can gather together in your name and, and we, can, we, can, we can open your word. We can examine your word. We can study your word. We can meditate upon your word. And I thank you that your word is living and it's active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword and it's useful for showing us the things that we're doing well and the things that we're not doing well. And it's, it's helpful in encouraging us and it's helpful in, in correcting us. And so God, whatever we need today, I pray that you would do that through the power of your word. For those that need to be encouraged today, God, encourage them. For those that need to be corrected today, God, correct them. For those of us that, 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 that feel that conviction even right now, God, I pray that we wouldn't leave this place without giving those things over to you. For the one that's dealing with lust, those, those strong desires, maybe it's a sexual lust, maybe it's, maybe it's just a desire for things. God, I pray that you would reveal that to them. God, I pray that as we delight in you, as we spend time with you, as we are in relationship with you, I pray that that you would remove our desires and that you would give us the desires of our heart. You would place within us a new set of desires that we would want the things that you want for us, not those things that we just selfishly gotta have. God, for those of us that are dealing with this 
is entitled, I deserve it attitude. God, I'm so thankful that, that even though we deserve death, you have given us new life. And that even, even though we, by our own actions, deserve eternal separation from you, I'm thankful that through your grace and mercy, we can be adopted into your family. Lord, for those of us that are puffing out our own chests and living with this prideful, I can handle it. I'm better than I, I've got a hold on this. I can stop anytime that I want. Lord, I pray that you would reveal those things to us. Help us to humble ourselves in light of your goodness and in light of your grace. If you're here this morning or you're watching online and maybe you've never given your heart to the Lord, maybe you've never asked him into your life as your Lord and Savior, I wanna give you the opportunity to do so. If you're out there and you hear about God's goodness and God's mercy and God's grace, it's available to each of us. The Bible tells us that anybody who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And today, if that's you, I just wanna say a prayer for you and with you real quick. I just wanna know who I'm praying with. So if that's you, I'm not gonna ask you to come forward or do anything like that, but, but just so I know that I'm praying with the right people. If you're here and you say, Pastor John, that's me. I wanna give my heart to the Lord. I wanna accept him as my Lord and Savior. Do me a favor, just raise your hand, just right where you're at, right in your seat. Just slip it up, slip it right back down. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Anybody else? Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? I want, I want that free gift of grace. I want that eternal, thank you, ma'am. I want that salvation. I don't wanna be separated from God. I want eternal life in him. Thank you. Thank you. Here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna say a quick prayer. Just pray, ask that you would repeat this prayer after me. Church, help us pray today. Maybe you're sitting out there and you didn't raise your hand, but you're like, ooh, I should have raised my hand. That's okay. Just pray this prayer. Pray it from your heart. Pray it out loud. Everyone here is gonna be praying it out loud with you. The greatest decision that you could ever make is to live for Jesus, to pick up your cross and to follow him every day of your life. This morning, I would just ask that you would repeat this prayer with me. Just say, church, or just say, Jesus, thank you so much. You gave up your life so that I could find new life in you. And today, I confess, I've made mistakes. I am a sinner in need of a savior. Would you come and change me? Make me brand new from the inside out and help me to live for you all the days of my life that you would receive the glory and all of the honor in Jesus' name. Let me pray for you today. God, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer. God, some for the first time, some the hundredth time, some here in person, some watching online, some watching later on today or later on in the week. God, it doesn't matter. The angels in heaven are rejoicing right now because of the decision that they made. So Lord, today we love you. We honor you. We bless you. We thank you for your work. Go with us this week. Help us to be to be shining lights and shining examples of your love, your hope, and your joy. May we be hope dispensers everywhere we go. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. Listen, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, maybe you have something that, that you, need, you need special prayer for. Our prayer team is down here. We'd love to be able to minister to you in that way. If not, be blessed, be dismissed. Have a great week. Here at Dream City Omaha, we're all about three things, helping people discover Christ, recover identity, or uncover purpose. If you enjoyed today's service, we encourage you to check out our past sermon series, as well as our discipleship classes. Give us a subscribe, and we hope that we can help you grow no matter where you are.